Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I am glad that you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. And the goal of Connection Show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us that get us thinking, get us talking, get us hoping for something better and having the will to make it happen. So today's a tough day. We have had the fourth straight night of protests across the country, and the Twin Cities have been burning. To, ta- to start our show today, I want to share a bit more about who George Floyd was. He worked at Salvation Army and had been a bouncer at the Conga Latin Bistro family-owned Latino restaurant, bar, dance venue. He met his fiancée by walking her to the car. When she left the venue, she was afraid. George was known as a gentle giant who made people feel safe. Seeing that she was afraid, he prayed with her at her car. They then dated for three years and recently became engaged. He was a father of two. He loved Minneapolis, had many friends. He knew many of the customers by name. The customers, co-workers, restaurant owner, they all loved George. He was a man of peace who believed that love and peace was always the answer. So we're going to talk about George. And we're going to talk about what's happening. We're going to talk about what needs to change. And I have two amazing women joining me who are part of the Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment. I have Asma Mohammed, who is their advocacy director. Asma Mohammed regularly leads trainings and speaks on issues around intersexuality, sexual violence, promoting Muslim women's voices, countering Islamophobia, and fighting for women's rights. We also have Nimo Omar, who is an organizer advocate. Welcome, Asma. Welcome, Nimo. Thanks for having Thank you for having us. Thank you for being here. It's um, been a tough week. And what I'd like to start with is just a check-in. How are you both doing? How has this impacted you? How has it impacted your community? I'm going to start with Asma. Um, I'm going to pass it off to Nemo. Okay, <laughs> that's ahead, all right. Nemo. That's all right. Nemo, share with us how, how you see this has uh, impacted both you and your community. Uh, thank you, um, first of all, for having us. Um, I'm incredibly exhausted. I'm not going to lie. Um, extremely hard time for my community. And um, I, I really don't, I don't have, I don't have the words to release like describe my all my emotions right now. Um, very tiring, sleepless nights. Um, checking in on you know friends on the front line, checking in on people, um, business owners, uh, workers. Uh, it's it's incredibly hard for a lot of us right now. Um, and really just um, sending support and love to you know George's family and um, but. I, there's really not enough words to describe how I'm personally feeling and also how a lot of the folks in my community are feeling. This isn't um, new, unfortunately. 
with police uh, brutality. And I know that's something that that you both have um, stood up against. Um, Asma, do you want to share how what you see needs to happen? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I, it's what it's Saturday now. Yeah. George was murdered on Monday, and the past four days have been. Um, I'm not surprised that this happened in Minneapolis because it's happened before. It just hasn't been filmed in this way. Right. You have to be and, grateful for that 17-year-old that stood her ground and and filmed it for 10 minutes. And is also a young black woman who will now be traumatized for the rest of her life because she was the only person who was willing to catalog police violence and murder. And if there was no video, Derek Chauvin would still be on the force right now still be serving or what he, what he called serving Minneapolis right now. So I want us to remember that. Um, I don't think it matters how I'm feeling. I think it matters how black Minnesotans are feeling and black people all over our country are feeling. That's why I pass it off to Nemo. I don't think my voice is important. Uh, we've unfortunately, uh... and while I know that a lot of white folks are, are saying, Oh, my favorite restaurant in Minneapolis um, burned down. Or, well, why are they looting? Why are they doing this? You can't understand what black, black Minnesotans are feeling right now. Black people all of this country are feeling right now. And to, to try to is, I mean, it's a farce. It's not going to happen. You're never going to understand. You can say you're upset, but you will never understand someone who looks like you being murdered so inhumanely and have it be done over the course of centuries. It's 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 being filmed. I th- what what struck me is the nonchalance of that of Siobhan as he had his hand in his pocket and just sort of staring off as if this was not something that was all that important and could dismiss the begging could dismiss the cries for mercy, not only from George, but from the people that were standing there. And it's the inhumanity of that sacred moment when someone passes and the demeaning of having it be under his knee, Mm -hmm. the depth of anger and how this resonates with a dismissal of a human being, I think is part of what set all of all of us off in ways that we can't describe. I mean, you can say your heart breaks and you can um, want to do something, and it's going to take a collective. We're all going to have to feel that pain, and we don't have any idea in terms of how deeply this impacts the African American community, but we can say this is wrong and we can say we've got to make we've got to do something different and we've got to make changes mm-hmm. and there needs to be accountabilities I mean, who knows if if there had been a, at least uh, 
an arrest earlier on if this would have gone on this long. And now we also have other uh, forces coming in and taking advantage of the moment. And we don't know, you know, I personally know some people who, who are down there who, who wanted to do this peacefully and have told me that there are other people there that are taking advantage of this moment and creating um, a diversion almost from George's, the focus on George. And that's why I so much wanted to start with who George was. Um, he was a man of peace. And I know that's important in your faith as well. Can you tell me how you feel in terms of your spirituality and, and what needs to happen in terms of looking at this, you know, desperate situation that not only Minneapolis faces, but now the country and the world are facing? I mean, uh, yeah, if I can, if I can talk about, like, step back a little bit, talk about police brutality and MPD and Minneapolis Police Department, it, like... This is not new. This is not new. This is a culture that, you know, MPD has about terrorizing black communities. And um, this is, you know, lucky enough to have that, you know, young girl to, like, you know, to videotape it. And there are hundreds and hundreds of lives, lives that have been lost exactly like this and in, in brutal ways. Um, Jamar Clark, Linda Castile, like we, you know, um, also like this is just, this is not new. This is not new. I've had personal experiences of being terrorized by um, MPD. I have family members. I have, when I was out on the ground on Thursday, um, so many youth that I knew in the community, black youth, telling, you know, telling me like their, their experiences with MPD. Um, I've personally, when I was um, on the front lines with Jamar Clark, when he, when he got shot, um, saw firsthand how, you know, I was pushed. I was, um, you know, I lost my, like, my shoes, and I, as I was, like, you know, um, being tased, I had snipers pulled on me um, the night where well, the white supremacists came on the 4th Precinct to um, to really cause some, you know, havoc and really uh, cause trouble, and um, I remember that night when we, when we were, you know, pushing those um, white men, like, to, to get off the property, to, to leave the, the, air, the occupation at the 4th Precinct um, back in um, 2016 or 2015. Um, I remember the first thing that the cops did when they came on site, um, when there were four young men who were shot, um, we were, you know, giving them CPR, like, one of them was shot in the stomach, we took off our jackets, it was in the middle of the winter, and um, we had blood over our hands, we were trying to get paramedics to come, and the first thing they do, the first thing they do um, was they took out their guns, uh, draw it on us. I had a sniper on my face and I was teased at the same time. I was, I mean, um, I was um, pepper sprayed and like we were in like help. We, like we were in, you know, we were very um, distraught, very, there was also many feelings going on that night. And so MPD has a history of violence on black law and black communities and black bodies. And, you know, this is just an incident where we, we saw on camera and um, a lot of the youth on the ground um, are saying that, you know, are frustrated because this, the time and time again, how many lives do we have to lose in order to be like any type of accountability. Mike Freeman as well, I'm just really frustrated with him as well, like because of all the years of seeing his complacency of like really taking action on all these cases, especially with Jamar Clark. I saw the most ugliest side of him. Like 
extreme, like, like labeling him as like this kind of criminal who should not be in the streets. He just kind of deserved what, what he got. And the hypocrisy of like the two cases between Muhammad Noor, who was a you know black Somali officer, and how he dealt with his case, and and the city council as well, extremely frustrated with them because you know even the, like the lot the the settlement that the you know Diamond family like rightfully got, but also as well as how they dealt with Jamar Clark. We had a fight and fight and fight just for them to get 200000 compared to, you know, a white woman who got, like, you know, in, 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 in peace, but, like, also got, like, $20 million. And the the complicity of, the, you know, Minneapolis leadership and as well as, you know, Mike Freeman, it's just, it shows, it actually shows, and people are tired. People are extremely tired, and I'm, I'm fed up, and um, there needs to be, first of all, I think the most important thing right now is bringing those men and getting holding them accountable and arresting all four officers. I think that's where we need to start. Um, and I just I don't I have no trust in Mike Freeman. I've seen what he's what he said about Black Lives and black, and black men for over you know four years now. And I'm I just I don't have any trust in him at all whatsoever. And so I don't know what, what I don't have all the answers. I don't know I don't have all the answers of how we're going to get to where we need to be. But um, first things first, and I think getting those police officers um, behind bars is, is, is the first step for me. Well, I'm going to have us uh, take a break. Um, thank you, Nemo, for sharing that very powerful personal story and uh, a realization, you know, for all of us to be taking note of what needs to happen and hearing from voices who have suffered um, for years. And our next segment I'd like for us to have a chance to talk about what are the specific things in addition to holding all four people accountable? What do we want to ask of the mayors? What do we want to ask of the governor? What do we want to ask of the president who's stepped in and um, added fuel to the flames as well? So stay with us. We'll be back and we'll be discussing um, Rise, the wonderful women who are um, standing up for what is right and advocating for change and we'll hear um, and be part of the conversation of what it means to transform and what it means to work to make that happen. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show where we talk about ideas that matter and we're talking about George Floyd, and we're talking about uh, culture of Minneapolis. I'm going to read a quote from um, R.T. Rybeck, who was the mayor of uh, uh, Minneapolis for 15 years. A very well-intentioned friend of mine asked me yesterday what was the one thing he could do to make the situation better. I had to say there is no one thing. You can't fully stop racism in policing without understanding the racism in the laws that we ask our police to enforce, the racism in the criminal justice system that over-incarcerates black men, the racism in how we white Americans perceive a threat when we see someone who is black. An unjust economic system matters, and so does the issue where I focus most these days, the intolerable racial inequities in education. It all matters and it's all connected, but right now nothing more matters more in Minneapolis than reforming the Minneapolis police. 
Obvious first steps include demilitarizing the training programs, building better tracking, systems that intervene early in an an officer's career before the behavior escalates these tragic incidents. There are many more specific actions that can be taken, but above all, it's the police culture. I know the city's history well. There's been something about police in Minneapolis practically from the beginning. I'm often asked, why does one of the most progressive cities in the country have so many racial issues with our police? First, the city that so proudly wears its progressive credentials has actually not been so progressive on issues of race, especially as race relates to police, housing, the economy, and more. Today I have with me um, two co-hosts for our show, Asma Mohammed and Nemo Omar, who are from RISE, uh, the Reviving Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment. Welcome to you both. And I, I want to give this over to both of you to share your thoughts on reform. Um, our, our city is, uh, is calling out for change. And I'd like to use this platform to allow you to share what sort of changes need to be made. Asma? I don't believe in reform. Well, tell me more. I believe in abolishing the police. And I know Nemo's with me on that. We've seen what Minneapolis cops have been doing. You see it in New York. You see it in Louisville. You see it in Des Moines, Iowa, where you wouldn't think that. Right? This is not... This will not be fixed by adding a few body cameras. Or by adding in more officers of color, the system is based in white supremacy. Nemo, you want to go? Yeah, um, I, I would implore folks to um, really look at what Black folks have been saying, especially um, with um, Reclaim Your Block and as well as um, um, BLVC, Black Visions Collective, and they've been fighting for years now on defunding um, MPD. Um, and I think the last cycle with, with the budget proposal at the, at the city, they requested an $8 million cut for NPD uh, um, because, you know, my, um, Mayor Jacob Fry wanted to add, you know, more costs in, into, into communities. And so they fought really hard to um, make sure that that was not going to happen. And it seems like it, you know, majority of the city council members did, did you know, turn a blind, uh, you know, turn their cheeks to the community and not he listened to what black folks were saying. And I think we're seeing what the precautions of that, what it, like what the consequences of that is. And that, that is more bodies being, you know, more black men and more black folks being lost in our communities. And so, yes, I think there needs to be so much that so much, so much needs to be done. I don't have all the answers right now. And I think the first step right now is calling folks to really make sure that all officers are held accountable by the way things are looking, looking at the autopsy report and what, you know, folks are saying from his death and how, you know, Mike Freeman is dealing with the case already. I just don't have any trust with with Mike or any of the folks who are um, dealing with, on this case, especially with the state, you know, the federal you know, FBI, as well as um, a lot of the folks who are um, on it. I just, I just don't have any um, trust. And... I think what we need to do is make sure that this case is um, held to the highest regard in, in holding account- the police officers accountable. Um, it shouldn't take four days to um, arrest, you know, arrest him. 
The uh, medical examiner's report is indicating um, heart and hypertension. Um, to me, that doesn't take away from the fact that this man was had a, his knee on his on the neck, and perhaps. You know, police need to know that there are medical conditions that one especially should not be using these kind of force. You know, he, he did not protect that person in custody. He did not think about if there were medical. To me, it, 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 it the medical examiner documented what was there, but it doesn't take away from the horror of uh, – <laughs> Of what happened, whether he had a heart condition or not, that man had a knee on his neck for eight minutes. In two point four three, two point five three minutes, the man, you know, was potentially, you know, he was unconscious at least. There was nothing, but he still kept his knee on on that man's neck for two minutes and fifty three seconds. I, it, to me, unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I also just want to say that. Um, the medical examiner and Mike Freeman, the district attorney or the county attorney, and anyone who's involved right now is failing. And they've done it before. And in talking to Mike Freeman, I've talked to his office before. He does not care about mm -hmm. what black Minnesotans think. Mm -hmm. he, he shouldn't be in office, frankly. Uh, most of Minneapolis voted for Mark Hasse, um, but it was people outside of Minneapolis in Hennepin County who voted for Mike Freeman in large numbers. So this is not what the city wanted. And the city is paying for what's happening right now. Um, we've put out a call to get Attorney General Keith Ellison on the case as a special prosecutor. And we will continue putting out that call. We're involved with several other organizations. There are state representatives. Um, George Floyd's family's attorney has also said the same thing. And I believe they're and also we're getting... we're going to keep pushing for that. They're also getting an independent um, review, medical review, examine a review, yep. which is important. And I, and I bet you they're going to be... Nobody is just... People aren't going to drop dead with all of those issues. My mom has half of those. Yeah. If you hold a knee to her neck, yeah, those issues will come into play. But for the medical examiner to be that negligent and to show support for the police in that way, because that is support for the police at the end of the day. They're trying to make it look like it was an accident. That was not an accident. That was murder. I, I can imagine a knee to my neck would cause a heart attack. <laughs> it's This is... Um, this is unacceptable. Yeah. So, what about the president? What about the president who steps in and and says he's going to take over? He's irrelevant. Um, he's a lost person. There's, yeah. I'm sorry, Nemo. Nothing, like, I I missed that. Could, can you say that again? I mean, oh, I, I said like she's the last person that should be involved. Yeah, in last. Anything. Got it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Osma. No, I was just saying that. Yeah, it, he's irrelevant. Um, I think that he is part of the reason that people are getting white supremacists from out of state answering the call to come and burn our buildings. Every single person. So I'm in, in the news conference happening right now with uh, the two mayors and um, John Harrington. 
um, and Governor Walz. Every single person arrested in St. Paul last night was not from Minnesota. Every single person. So these white supremacists are answering the call of one of their leaders. I'm not saying Trump is the only one. There's several of them, and I think a lot of them are in the police. Um, he, so, and now he's de- he's going to deploy the military from the Pentagon. And there were there was a drone flying over Minneapolis yesterday. I have I have my kids, my students texting me, telling me that they're terrified. And this is that's what the feds are doing right now. I want to point out that that's happening. And right now, the state is supporting it. The state has accepted the call to bring more troops in. So they're seeing that people are dying, that people are hurting. Um, and they're saying, well, maybe we need more military. I don't know how that makes sense. But I guess that they've been doing it overseas for so long. Maybe they're used to it. Maybe there's something that they, they feel comfortable doing when they see black and brown bodies. Well, I wish they would put the same energy and 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 in the resources that, that they're putting um, in this time through all the cases that, and all the black, box, you know, men that I, and the women who have died on police brutality, and that we're just we're seeing where their priorities are, and I think that that's what's troubling to a lot of us right now. Well, we actually have two public health crises. One public health crisis to the African-American community is racism, and it has an impact. It's killing people, and it needs to be looked at in terms of we, we have to stop killing African-American people and look at it as a, a disease. Racism is a disease that needs to be addressed. And at the same time, we have a virus that disproportionately is killing people of color. And in our our next segment, we'll be talking about um, COVID-19 and Amazon workers, and um, we'll have Nemo share her story. Thank you both. Uh, Please stay with us. We have just a few short commercials, and then we'll be back. Thank you. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. Our show today is sponsored by Clockwork. Um, They do amazing work uh, in the community. They support diversity and inclusion. They are a digital company um, that does consulting and coding and, um, and support you in all your needs. And more importantly to me, they support... Uh, Rise, and we appreciate the work that Rise is doing and the work uh, that they do to support the Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment. I have two guests today, actually two co-hosts. They are co-producers of this show. Uh, Welcome, Asma Mohammed. So glad that you're here today. And we also have Nemo Omar, who is an advocate uh, and is here to share a story, uh, her story about um, some of the issues that are being faced right now with COVID-19 and how that's impacting uh, Amazon and Amazon workers. Welcome to you both. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Nemo, tell us us what's happening. 
Um, so as some folks know, I, I worked for the Wood Center, co-founded the Wood Center a couple of years ago. Um, and we have been organizing um, workers um, in our community, um, in the East African community, um, particularly um, workers at Amazon right now. Um, and as a lot of folks know, um, majority of the workers at the at some of these buildings are you know, 40, 60% East African Somali workers um, that live in the twin cities. Um, especially right now, there are a lot of concerns um, in the buildings regarding workers and retaliation and how Amazon treats their workers. Um, right now, um, as, as, as of right now, as there is workers do not know how many cases there are in their building. Amazon has been concealing the numbers in, in, um, in terms of like how many cases that they have. Um, I'm not sure if a lot of folks have been following. Um, Amazon has also fired a lot of leaders who've been on the front lines talking about um, the way that Amazon treats uh, them in, during this pandemic. And we had uh, multiple workers, that multiple leaders um, at MSP1 being fired, including one high-profile case, um, Bashir Mohammed, who, um, who's been on the front lines for, for two years now um, at Amazon, who has been fired as well uh, last month. Um, and so Amazon is right now, a lot of workers are being sick, are getting, are getting sick from COVID-19. Um, a lot of them do live in the Cedar Riverside area as well. Um, so we're seeing a connection between workers, you know, leaving and infecting and their families as well. One of our, um, one of our good you know, uh, members at, at the center, um, you know, recently told us last week that, you know, he said, hey, I tested positive, I'm sick. Um, just want to let you all know that, you know, my wife has also gotten it, all my kids, and including my 90-year-old mother. Um, so these workers are putting their lives on the line and they're going back um, and also, you know, um, getting their families infected. And so it's an incredibly hard time for a lot of the workers because um, they're also dealing with, uh, you know, racism as well. They're dealing with a lot of them live in Minneapolis. Um they're dealing with, you know, getting sick with COVID-19 and also being essential workers and going back to work. And um, Jeff Bezos, like in, within five weeks in the March, in the month of um, in the month of May, uh, made $41 billion and he's cut their um, hazard pay May 17th and also cut off their um, unlimited um, time off that they could have, you know, gone in. May 1st and the beginning of Ramadan where all these workers, you know, were, you know, fasting for 16 to 18 hours a day. And so it's, workers are really feeling the brunt of, of the pandemic, especially being like a lot of the works, a lot of the, you know, Muslim immigrant workers being essential workers and Amazon um, really not um, doing everything, everything they can to, 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 their, to really um, suppress their voices. And also covering up like how many cases they have, they have, and so a lot of workers don't trust um, that you know their safety is a is a priority for them, and um, we've seen that over and over again. And so there's a lot there's a lot that's happening. Um, workers have been asking to shut down the building for at least two weeks so that at least the, the, the cases can decrease or at least some kind of um, cleaning can be done, deep cleaning can be done. And so that's what something workers are pushing pushing forward. Um, and also to really um, not fire the leaders who um, who have been speaking out on on on, on the cases, and so um, yeah, it's 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 
it's incredible. It's, it's difficult because we're also dealing with you know George Floyd um, and his his death, and um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot that that our community is dealing with right now. Asma. Um. Yeah, we are. Are you sorry? Are you asking about yes. uh, workers? I, I, your reaction and your thoughts, and and as the advocacy director, uh, your insights. Um, I mean, I've made it pretty clear how I feel, um, but I don't. I've mentioned this. I think Mike Freeman has failed us. He's going to fail us again. I think Jacob Fry, um, as an elected official right now, is failing us, and has not stepped up to the challenge. Um, back in 2015, Nemo and I were both there together uh, protesting at the 4th Precinct, holding down the 4th Precinct for almost 18 days. Every single day we were there, uh, maced, chased with rifles, chased into alleyways. And people think, again, I think because of the, the nature of the world right now, back then, I don't even think I, I used Twitter <laughs> And right now, I'm mobilizing thousands of dollars to go to people who need it in Northside. Before, did not have that capacity, didn't have that understanding, but that's happening on our social media right now. It's even happening through TikTok, um, which I still don't understand, but there's a lot happening. Um, And I think for people who are at home and are wondering what to do, Get online. There is so much digital organizing you could be doing right now. You could be boosting the work of other people. Because, again, I would would say this over and over again, so many of our elected officials have been failing us. The only people I trust right now are many of our newly elected women of color. Um, And out of the city council members, Jeremiah Ellison was out there until I talked to him, I think, around 4 or 5 in the morning. And he was still out there putting out fires by hand. Where was the mayor in all of this? If you say this is your city, you say these are your citizens. He blamed Betsy Hodges when he ran. He said that she had failed the city. He said he was going to do better. Is this better? I think those are all questions that we need to be asking right now. What is he doing? Why is he so bad at this? And I, I'm, of course, dis- not just disappointed, but disgusted, disgusted with the response yesterday um, on, on Lake Street and um, on Park. There was a gas station that was about to blow. People, li- state representatives were literally begging, begging him to send in the fire department. And he said they needed the National Guard to escort them. Well, folks were seeing the National Guard go and protect the 5th Precinct. So they're more interested in protecting a building, their own building, a fort for police officers, than they were in escorting the fire department. Fire department came on their own without an escort. So everything they're saying is contradictory. And it, again, it's more than disappointing. People are dying. People are people are losing their homes. Um, I cannot stress the importance of doing something right now which I don't, and I, I genuinely don't feel like he's doing enough if, he's, if he wasn't physically out there doing everything he could do. And with that, we'll close this segment. 
And in our next segment, we're going to talk about the challenges that we all face in trying to organize um, during all these crises. And thank you, Asma, for giving us uh, at least some encouragement to go online, to do what we can, to donate, to support, uh, to be part of the solution. And um, we'll continue to talk about that in our next segment. Thank you. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host, and I have um, two co-hosts that are joining me today that are co-producing the show. The show is co-produced by RISE, the Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment. Um, I have Nemo Omar, who is an organizer advocate. I have Asma Mohammed, who is the advocacy director for RISE. And I just got in um, a note that was sent to me uh, about the uh, from the New York Times. It's breaking news. The Army was told to ready military police units for possible deployment to Minneapolis after protests escalated for the fourth night. The orders came at the behest of President Trump, the official said, who has been seeking options from his senior national security leaders for how to deal with the chaotic protests that have ignited dozens of cities over the death of George Floyd. Deploying military police units would be an escalation in the government response to the unfolding events. Military police units were used in 1992 during the aftermath to Rodney King verdict in California. Uh, any reactions on what that might look like? It is, um, I mean, it's so clear that um, the preference is order over justice. Um, and yes, like people are hurting and um, and like Asma said earlier, like people who are, majority of the people who are doing this are from out of town. They're not from our you know, local city. Like they're not from Neapolis. They're not from the Twin Cities. Um, and I think if they're going to do it, if the city is going to do anything, they need to focus on and, you know, do an investigation on where these folks are coming from. That's, I think, the energy needs to go there instead of bringing more troops on the ground that are going to, like, terrorize people. Um, so, I really, I don't, it's, it's, I don't, I don't see, I don't, I just don't, I think putting these, like I said, putting the men in, like, arresting the officers and it, um, and taking that initiative and um, bringing justice to the family should be at most priority. Um, I just don't, yeah. In our last few minutes here, I'd like you to share what you think people can do. Um, Asma, you started with telling us to go online. Are there any other closing comments that you want to do, a call to action to the audience that are listening today? Um, majority of my friend, like my all the events that I've been invited to, literally, I'm looking through my list as I, as we speak. Is clean up, um, um, clean up the neighborhoods. Um, events. There's so many different events of um, folks coming together to clean up the city. Um, and so there's there there are a lot of events for um, you know folks can go out and volunteer and um, 
help folks on the north side, also in South End, Minneapolis. I just received a message right now from a family friend whose um, restaurant has been burnt um, last night. Um, and so, yeah, there are a lot of also follow um, BLVC um, and also reclaim your um, your block um, to um, to organizations who are who are um, tackling tackling on. Um, police brutality and the issues in our community and so i think donating to them um also the, uh there is a fund for um to build out you know protesters who've um who've been arrested i think donating to that as well so yeah i think being there for the community volunteering um and also just like um as i said as well and flying the presence on social media there's so many events and things that are being shared around um supporting um local organizations um so yeah doing to black orgs and who are doing the work right now is, is really important so um you know i'll leave it at that taking the time um uh, making this a priority uh, m- making it a priority that we all are complicit and we all need to do something um, by allowing this to continue is uh, and, and and as you said if we're looking for order and not justice we we miss the point of all of this of a minute um, quickly Lori I yes, wanted to share that we are posting food locations and drop-offs and distribution um, on our Twitter follow us at Rise Sisterhood uh, we also have Rise has come together and we're off we're able to provide temporary housing for folks displaced by fires um, so we will, again, uh, on Twitter, posting on Instagram as well. Um, we're updating as often as we can, but it's really a two person operation. So be patient with us, but we're, we're letting people know what they can do right now. If you want to know, um, send us direct message, um, because there are people on the ground doing it. We're just boosting their work and uplifting it. Will you also give your website and, uh, an email address? Um, yeah, you can reach, uh, do contact at Reviving Sisterhood or usma at revivingsisterhood.org. And email, um, website is revivingsisterhood.org. It's been a long week, and we have a long week ahead uh, and a long road ahead. I want to thank the audience for being part of this today, and I want to encourage you to know that you do make a difference, and you can um, you can impact by supporting programs, by support by volunteering, by doing all these things. You're not helpless. Um, white silence is violence, is what I heard someone say at one of the protests, and it it touched me deeply. And we need to talk. And I appreciate that you were part of our Connections Radio Show today. Asma and Nemo, thank you. Thank you for all that you're doing, and um, we're with you.